thanks everybody for uh, you know watching this today. Uh, I'm very available. You know, I get text home inspection questions all the time, sewer scope questions. You know, doesn't matter if you're my student. Of course, we like our students. Uh, you know, questions better, but uh, we want to make sure you succeed. Just like in the international, that's what we're here for. So my cell phone's 303-947-1810. And Mike's cell phone is 303-518-5813. You know, just being part of International, we never want to see guys get stuck, guys or girls. So I own and teach the IM, Sewer Scope Certified Program, which is the only uh, approved course for International to use their logo. You know, the reason you're here or you're thinking of doing Sewer Scope is because you want to make more money, you know? This is the quickest way to boost your income. When you market, it takes a long time to see those results. If you add a service and you already are doing home inspections, you know, when my wife turned us on and started selling the first week, she sold us 10 home inspections, or 10 sewer scopes. I wasn't really ready to do 10 sewer scopes, and we'll talk about that later. But once you open the faucet, the work starts to flow. Little little bit about our company. I am. We started in 2006 with the goal of helping small business uh, inspection companies succeed. We're actually at the Florida Convention down in Orlando, and we had so many people asking us how to do this or how to do that. We actually spun off a business. In 2018, we added the uh, SuperScope training, and honestly, that has kind of taken over the business. I'm hoping someday to get back into doing more mentoring, but right now with the sewer scope training, we just, that's about all we can keep up with right now. We also own a home inspection business, Colorado's Best Home Inspections. I'm still active in that, uh, but uh, so uh, two businesses keep us going. At this point, we've trained hundreds of inspectors, Internashi, con some contractors. We actually did a large company with 40 some uh, contractors that took our course. So we want to teach you how to do it right and to become profitable. You know, when I first started out, it was not profitable. We kept breaking things, buying the wrong things. So we want to make it so you can avoid all those pitfalls. So here's my company. These are the logos when you take the eight hour course, not today, but when you take the full eight hour course, you can use my sewer scope certified and you can use the international sewer scope certified inspector as long as you are an international inspector. So you have to pass all that first. You know, the reason you do this, you know, additional business income, you know, big question to ask yourself is would you like a raise next year? Would you like to make an additional hundred to $300 in inspection? Would you like to make more money next month? The answer, if it's yes, you can do that by this vehicle. You know, we in Denver get 150 for a sewer scope. That's all we can get because of the competition. We have inspectors getting 300 plus around the country. So you need to find out what your area does, but that's a lot of money left on the table. You know, by becoming sewer scope certified, you can make more money. You know, every house has a sewer line. Every house needs a sewer scope. I don't care if the house is a 2000 or 2020 or if it's an 1890. They still have a sewer. 
still needs a sewer scroll. We find just as many problems on new houses as we find on old houses. So when people ask, how come you're gonna do a sewer scope? It's plastic. And it's like, yeah, man installed it. Therefore, it has the potential to be wrong. Inspector mentoring and training. Currently, it's still a service of Colorado's best home inspections. Within Ernashi, we can provide the training. You can either register through Internashi or you can go directly to my website, www.inspectormentoring.com and register there. Same course, same credential. Financial rewards, like I said a little bit earlier, depending on your area, fees 100 to 300 plus. Uh, before we started doing sewer scopes for CBHI, and an average of referred 300 scopes a year, we were still selling them and giving them to somebody else. Therefore, I lost 30 to 90 grand. At Denver's money, you know, that's pretty much right in the middle there. Um, so I was losing $60,000 a year, which is crazy, for between 40 or 4,500,000 and 60,000. You know, by performing sewer scopes, you will increase your inspection average. That is the biggest thing. My goal every year is to do less inspections for more money. Your liability is less. You know, in the old days, I had one year I did 600 inspections. Dropped down to 450. Now, because of what we charge, we can do 300 inspections and have enough money for two. So you're gonna find you sell more inspections because you do sewer scopes. People like that one-stop shop. Therefore, you're going to increase your total revenue. <clears throat> Times money, you know, you're already at the house. That's the huge thing about a home inspector doing sewer scopes. You know, the companies that do just sewer scopes, they can do about five a day because of their drive time. You know, I don't want to do five a day. I want to do two a day, and I want them to take me about 15 to 30 minutes each. So what you're making per hour is huge. You know, we do radon testing in Colorado. I have a love-hate relationship with it because my average radon pickup is two hours. We get the same fee, 150 bucks. I'm making much less doing radon than I am doing sewer scopes. This is me. A lot of you probably know me from the years, you know, I've been a home, an international member since 2005. Uh, like I said, we started IM in 2016. I'm a certified master inspector and instructor, one of the, the first inspectors in Colorado. Uh, I was past president, vice president, and secretary of the Colorado chapter. Uh, I'm a residential uh, inspection instructor, along with a commercial property instructor. I'm not certified. <clears throat> and if you're doing rural properties, I highly suggest you get not certification. It's the National Association of Wastewater Technicians. It's one more, I don't want to say logo, but one more credential. You know, when I call out a line as bad and the septic people, oh, you know, that's, that's not a real problem. And it's like, yes, it is. I'm also not certified. Are you? Because a lot of our septic guys aren't. Great question for you, Inspector. the lines can you reach? Okay. I personally, we have a question asking if we do the distribution lines, the leach. We only inspect to the tank. Even though I'm certified, uh, I don't really want to do that. I don't have a pumping truck. 
once in a great while, we'll scope to the distribution tee. If there's risers, we can scope backwards from the risers fairly easily. If the distribution tee is not buried, like we had one the other day with the lid, then we could drop into the four legs there. That wasn't too bad. But I'm not the guy that wants to dig up a septic tank so I can get at the outlet uh, line. That's really not what I want to do as a home inspector. That's way too dirty. Uh, I like to stay pretty clean. Our whole scoping business started. A lot of you know, in 2014, October, I was blowing off a ladder. Got a big wind gust. I was carrying a ladder in my right arm, so I didn't have a three-point attachment to the ladder. I flew backwards. I started about 17 feet. I couldn't drop the ladder because I was in between two cars in a driveway. So I carried a 50, 60-pound ladder to the ground with me, herniated three discs, caused lots, or caused lots of problems. 2016, we're basically going to close the business because I could no longer do the physical duties. At that point, we brought Mike on. I used to have Doug and Carlos, so I've had a multi-inspector firm for a long time, but we'd kind of cut back on that. Um, when we hired Mike, I had to figure out how to pay him. You know, so bringing on an employee, you know, he's not a 1099, he's a true employee. So we have to pay benefits, all that kind of stuff. You know, so we had to come up with 60 grand a year. Well, as I said, you know, that's the money I was giving away. So we decided to add sewer scopes. I approached Ben and uh, it's like, do you have any training? There was one course out there on the internet that didn't work for us. We did it, but it wasn't sufficient. So Ben suggested that we just chronicle our first year or two, and then we turned that into course. And that's how this course, you know, ended up. Uh, you know, we went through a year, my wife called it the freakout zone. My third inspection, I broke the camera. I had to pay another inspection company to do my sewer scopes. You know, we couldn't figure out how to get in sometimes. Uh, it was just a series of calamities. But as I said, we chronicled those when we figured out the answer to get around it, it became part of our course. We don't want you to have to do what we did. We want you to become profitable. We have an inspector in Tacoma, Washington. He took the course in August, bought his camera. Two months later, we ran into a convention. He had already made $10,800 doing sewer scopes and he had been in that part of the business less than two months. So there's good money out there. I have letters from several of our students saying how now their kids can go to college. There is good money. This is the best paying ancillary service you will probably find. And like we said, every house needs a sewer scope. The objective of the course is provide the training to enable home inspectors and contractors to confidently perform sewer scopes underground pipe inspections. When we first started doing them, I was anything but confident. That's a bad feeling, you know? You wanna go into this knowing you know what you're doing. By going through the course, you also have, you know, our experience to fall back on. You know, I'm not gonna watch all your sewer scopes. 
But, you know, your first scope or your hundredth scope might be something wild that you just don't know what it is. By being a student, and I can't do it for non-students because of the insurance protocol. But if you were a student, I can watch your video. I do require you to give me the written report ahead of time so I know what you think it is. When I watch the video, I tell you what it is, and then we can use that as a training exercise. So we're not leaving you hanging out to dry. Uh, we want you to succeed. That's the whole reason you take this course. You know, we want to help you increase your income. That's the whole reason you do this. You know, it's not like you want to do extra work. It's that you want to make more money. And the third item, minimize your startup problems and trials. My wife was sure I was going to have a heart attack. I don't want you to go through that. Mike doesn't want you to go through that. So we want to help you out there. If you follow our directions, you will be in a good shape. If you try to skip steps, it will bite you. Just remember that. You know, sewer scope trains gonna allow you to make more money. We're gonna teach you how to properly perform a sewer scope, and we're gonna help you avoid those pitfalls. Here comes the reality part. A good camera will cost between six and 10,000. There's no way around that. You can buy cheaper cameras. I have lots of students that have tried buying a cheaper camera. And in the first couple of months, they end up buying a real camera and they tell me, man, I wish I'd saved that money and put it towards a good camera. I don't recommend buying a $2,000 camera because eventually you're throwing that $2,000 away. So I would budget in you know, you can get a good one for seven grand. You know, if you're going to do the location, which you almost have to, you're going to spend another thousand or two. So for t under 10, you can get into really good equipment. You can spend more than that without any problems. But for under 10, you can get everything. You know, so we look at return on investment. So if you do three sewer scopes a week at 150, that's what we get in Colorado. You're going to make $23,400 your first year. You're over, over doubling your return on investment. You know, if you're one of the lucky people that sewer scopes pay $300, $200, you know, I've got one guy charges $500 and he sells them. Uh, your return is going to be much greater because your expenses are the same. You know, how many scopes do you uh, plan on performing? We do five to eight a week. So it's good money. Question, you know, we have is, it's not if you can afford to do sewer scope, it's can you afford not to do sewer scope? You're giving away a lot of money. You know, the biggest complaint we hear from our students when they're done, you know, six months down the road is why did I wait so long? That was my complaint. I referred workout for 12 years. You know, I recommended sewer scope since 2005. Giving them away, I gave away over half a million dollars in revenue. That half million dollars would have bought me a, another lake house. It would have bought us a nicer house. It had been put away for retirement. Half a million dollars can do a lot for you. Yeah. Getting started. Okay, now we're getting into the gist of the course. 
Uh, and we're just going to take little excerpts from parts of the course. We're not going to go through the whole course today. Uh, one, it'd be way too long. And two, that's what you have to pay for. But when you get started, I suggest you market sewer scopes as a new service. When my wife did that, she runs my office, she told people we were new to doing sewer scopes. She gave them a discount, uh, you know, 25 to 50 bucks. But I thought she was crazy. It's like, we're new. Why would somebody use me? Like I said, the first week she booked 10. So if you already have a reputation as a good home inspector, they're going to trust you. It's like, well, why should I go to somebody else? Because I know you're going to be honest with me. You know, I, I would consider selling sewer scopes only on the newer houses to begin with. Typically, there's easier access. It's all plastic. You can kind of get used to using the equipment. I can tell you the biggest, I don't want to say hurdle or obstacle you're going to come across is remembering to record. I don't know how many inspections I had to do the scope twice because I forgot to hit record. Therefore, during the course, when we talk about practicing, I recommend that you practice the whole program. The sewer scope, recording, downloading, making the YouTube. You don't want to be doing that the first time out in the field and find out part of your system's not working. Okay, somebody just asked a question about InterNACHI's contract. You can get a sewer scope contract through InterNACHI. It's actually with my standalone contract. And then we had the InterNACHI Legal Council look at it and they made a few minor changes, but you can get it off the website. If you can't find it, I have it stored on my computers. Just email me and I will send you a copy, but it is available through InterNACHI. Uh, and it's a good contract. Like I say, InterNACHI would put through their legal advice or advisors. So, like I say, start doing, you know, the newer houses. You're going to get a comfort level after probably 30 scopes. Then you can start taking on the older ones. But you're going to look at houses different. When we walk through a house and do our first, you know, we call it cover our butt photos, you know, we take pictures of, four or five pictures of every room in the house. As we're doing that, we're looking for the best place to do the sewer scope. Even if you're not doing a sewer scope in that house, Practice that because then when you start doing the sewer scopes on the older houses, they go, okay, there's no cleanouts. I'm going to have to go from the road. You have, you know, you're already thinking that way. I would suggest only scheduling one sewer scope a day, preferably afternoon. That way you're not trying to rush your morning inspection. If you do come into a problem, you're going to discover after you start doing sewer scopes, you get much better. I can go through places that I never would have dreamed of going through when I first started. You come to an obstruction and it stops. It's just how you bang the cable sometimes when we talk about that in the course. Uh, a lot of it also depends on your equipment. We're going to talk about equipment selection and why you want an inspector's camera, not a plumber's camera. I recommend you have at least 140 foot cable and we'll get to that. Uh, we tell our clients, you know, we have a 200 and a 140, so I don't typically have to have this conversation. But if you go with a 140, which is sufficient for 97% of scopes, tell them, you know, we go through 140 feet of cable, there's no cleanouts. I'm going to be recommending additional cleanouts. And this is why old building standards, 
it was up to the jurisdiction. We scoped the line once it was 400 feet with no cleanup. Current, most jurisdictions started putting this in the 70s. We actually have a couple of towns that didn't start this till the 90s. So, but anything smaller than eight inch, we're dealing with four inch lines most of the time. You have to have clean house no more than 100 feet apart. So 140 foot cable should be plenty. Again, this is how you can get me, but you know, we like to say anybody can push a cable. You can teach a monkey to push a cable. To properly identify the defects and the line materials, that's what's gonna set you apart. I don't know how many times I've seen scopes from a sewer scope company that misidentify the material. The biggest one probably to miss on is transite, asbestos cement. You know, we get a lot of times it's a clay line. You look at it, like, no, it's not, it's asbestos. The problem is you cannot pipe burst an asbestos transite line. So somebody's gonna do a pipe burst, which costs $6,000. All of a sudden now it's a dig and trench and they have patios, they have driveways, they have trees. All of a sudden that price went through the roof. So you don't want to misidentify the pipe. You're better off not identifying the pipe because your contract, if you use the international in my contract, what you're agreeing to do is to inspect the line. You're not agreeing to identify the material. We do in about 100% of the cases. And sometimes that line is just too dirty, too ugly, too much standing water. I can't identify because I can't see it. So you're not forced to identify what type of material it is. A sewer scope is a video inspection of the lateral sewer line. The contract also says that, just this verbiage. From at near the foundation to the city HOA or septic tap or septic tank. You're not agreeing to inspect all the lines under the floor. You may choose to, as another ancillary service, what we do is we sell the lateral. If we feel it's worth it when we get there, you know, we'll usually upsell at $100 each the ancillary lines. A lot of times we'll do a laundry. The kitchen is a problem line just because of people put grease down it. So, so you know, doesn't mean it's not worth doing, but understand your camera could get very dirty and you might really not see anything. But we, like to shoot all the way across the basement floor because in Colorado we have a lot of soil expansion contraction. And so sometimes a line that looked perfect new doesn't look perfect anymore. So we charge extra for each each additional line we look at. You know, the purpose of your skull is to discover and report defects. Again, it's not to report what material it was. You know, usually you can, but and it's defects in the lateral sewer line. Somebody calls up and say, hey, my laundry's plugging. Yeah, well, you scoped it. No, we scoped the lateral line. You chose not to have the laundry line scoped. International standards of practice is the fallback. Once it goes underground, you can't see it. Okay, we'll get in and talk about reporting and all that in the course. Mike was just asking or somebody asked that. Uh, we have an app, but we were having lots of problems with Microsoft to, to develop that app. Um, or it's developed, just trying to get them to sell it right. 
But uh, for a home inspector, really the app is kind of a waste of money. A lot of our uh, septic inspectors, pumpers, things like that, they like. <clears throat> but for a home inspector, the course gives you suggested verbiage. When you're all done with the course, and this is covered farther on, but you can download all the verbiage. So what we did is we used our reporting software for home inspections, just duplicated the plumbing because it was pretty close on a lot of the stuff and made a new sewer scope uh, form out of our software. And all of the software is sold today, I believe. You can make new forms. Why pay me for an app or somebody else? There's only one other company selling a reporting software for sewer scopes that I know of. Uh, why pay for that when you already have it, you know? So part of the course, you get sample inspections so you can see what ours looks like. But, uh, you know, it's very easy to duplicate that in your own software. Okay, collateral sewer line description. Collateral sewer line is a privately owned line or pipe connecting a property to the publicly owned sewer line, the HOA tap, or a septic tank. That's what you're agreeing to scope. Plumbing codes typically identify anything outside the house as a building sewer. Any lines inside the foundation perimeter as a building drain. So we have that in the contract because that's what plumbers call it. They don't call it a lateral sewer line, they call it the building sewer. So I always want to make sure my verbiage crosses back and forth between the two. And it's usually the responsibility of the property owner to maintain and repair that line. Some places in California, you own to the street and you don't own there past that. Most jurisdictions around the country though, you have to pay and you have to dig up the road. So we want a camera that will always get us to the tap because that last section is really important. Plumbing definitions. Plumbing means the installation repair or service or maintenance of a fixture, appliance, piping. Uh, because of that, you know, we're only doing a vis visual observation. We're not performing any repairs. We were challenged in Texas, we were challenged in, in Florida. Both have backed down and agreed now that home inspectors can do sewer scopes. There are some stipulations though. You know, I would check with your local jurisdiction but if you tell them this verbiage right here, we're not doing anything other than looking at it, you know, you don't need to be a plumber. Now, here's where people get in trouble. People like to pull toilets. It's like, oh, you know, I can't get it. The realtor puts pressure on you. Well, the last guy just pulled the toilet. Unless you're a plumber or working under a plumber, most jurisdictions don't allow it. I do know a couple that allow you to be a licensed contractor. But as every manufacturer requires the seal, the wax seal usually, but some of them are rubber, uh, to be replaced when the toilet's pulled, you are now doing a repair or maintenance. So the other thing is, you know, do you have permission from the homeowner? You know, it used to drive me nuts when somebody would come out to the sewer scope and they asked the, the buyer if it was okay. And they said, oh yeah, they don't own the house. How can you give permission for something you don't own. You know, I would have been very upset. In fact, when we did sell a house, 
the inspector broke the toilet trying to do this. I come home and now we don't have a toilet working. Uh, you know, the bolts rust. You know, a lot of times when they pull a basement, they can't get it to anchor in the uh, concrete anymore. You know, so you have a toilet that's working to now the toilet's not working. And I didn't agree to it. So as a homeowner, I would be very upset. You know, we teach you alternate places to go. We have done at this point, I don't know how many thousand inspections. We just had our third that we couldn't do the other day. And we probably could have done it. There was a two inch with a with the uh, clean out buried into drywall, we probably could have pulled that line back a little bit and snuck it in there. But it's like, you know what? There's supposed to be clean outs accessible. There isn't. So we didn't do it. Three out of thousands though. So by having the right camera, the right training, you will figure out how to do it. <clears throat> you know, the course covers 17 types of line material. You want to know what you're in because the type of line has different defects. So if you're looking at a concrete line over a transite line, they crack differently. So if you think you're in this line, you know you've got to look for these defects. Okay. Components of a sewer system. You know, um, we show you the difference between a city sewer, a septic sewer, things like that. Um, Sewer scope protocol and advice. That's kind of how to do this. The report content, that's what we spoke about a little bit ago. Uh, you know, I tell you what I think should be in the report. Now, some of that depends on where you live. You know, if there's already a lot of people doing a sewer scope and they have something we don't or it's smaller, you probably want to mimic that. But this I would say is a minimum. Camera access cleanup requirements. You know, when people tell me I have to pull a, a, a toilet, I say, no, I don't. The cleanups are supposed to be accessible. We actually have a seller's notice, and this is my inspection company, so I can talk to you about it, but I can't give it to you. But we send one out for radon, we send one out for the home inspection, we send one out for the sewer. Of course, if we're doing all of the above, we send one notice out that covers it. It goes to the buyer's agent, and they're supposed to forward to the sellers. Do they? I don't care. We told you we weren't going to pull a toilet. We asked the sellers to provide access to all cleanups. It's in my seller's notice. So if I get there and I can't, it's not my fault. It's their fault. <clears throat> Camera system. We discuss in detail what you want. We're going to brush on today why you don't want a plumber's camera. Uh, one, they pull toilets, we don't. Most of their cameras are two inch. Two inch won't work for me because I have to go through two inch lines. Two inch camera needs a three inch. So we're gonna talk about those things. There's 18 narrated sewer line videos at the end. As you're going through, when you're looking at the clay section, there's also a clay video there. Those I call identification videos. They also teach you a lot because they're narrated. But, um, you know, when you're all done, you watch these 18. We'll talk about this, but then I suggest you do it all over again. And then we touch on sewer line repair techniques. I never tell somebody how to fix the sewer. But I do discuss options. So say it's a transat line. 
you know, you probably can't play first because it's an asbestos line. So you're going to have to look at dig and trench, maybe a sip, uh, things like that. So they're going to ask you for your opinion and help because you're the expert. So you need to know these things. To, to do the course, it's broken down into elements, but the PowerPoint is the first three. So you watch the introduction. You saw some of it today. The identification section. A lot of this course is identifying all 17 types of materials. There's inside photos, outside photos, line links, uh, section lines, all those things because they help identify what the line is. We'll go into that here shortly. Watch the protocol and repair. Uh, that is basically where we show you how to do a suitable. Watch those 18 videos. And then I tell you to do the whole course again. You can watch the course three times. I can tell you those that do it one time have an over 50% failure rate. You don't pass the test. We actually had somebody email Ben and say that the test was ridiculously hard. I can watch and see how much time you spend on the course. He spent the exact bare minimum he also complained that he had to forward the, the, the uh, PowerPoints himself. They wouldn't automatically scroll. We don't want certificate chasers. We want you to watch this course. It's like, why are you gonna pay money? And I am assuming it's because he was doing sewer scopes already and he thought he knew it all. He failed the, the test four times. Finally passed with an 80%, which is the lowest passing grade there is. Those that watch the course twice have an over 95% pass rate. And their test scores are in the 90s, sometimes 100. So the test isn't that hard. It's all covered in the course, but you have to pay attention to the course. And they're real world questions. You need to know those answers because you are going to come up against them doing your sewer scope. So after you do the course twice, take the test. You can take it multiple times till you pass. Remember, once you pass the course, then you cannot go back and watch the whole course again. And the reason for that is so it does not get shared with other inspectors. Um, we have people ask all the time, well, I want to train my, my team. It's like, no. This is just like going to college. You pay for the course, you don't get to share it with your whole family. So you do get to download a PowerPoint of the PDFs though. Okay, I'll answer these questions, but understand I'm gonna kind of get to them again later. If there's no access, I don't come back. Uh, a lot of people will and say, okay, if the seller makes access, I'll come back and do the sewer scope. That's an individual uh, decision you're going to have to make. If your inspection company isn't rocking, I would probably do retests or reinspections or things like that. For us, we turn down about 10 jobs a week. We just can't get to them. So for us to go back and do reinspections, it would be a real waste of time because remember, my radon you know, takes me two hours to go get a radon test. If I was going to do a sewer scope, 
I probably have two and a half hours into that job, the money's just not there. So the reason I do sewer scopes is because I'm already at the house. So, but if you're starting out, that may be a way to supplement your income. You may even want to do sewer scopes as a standalone service. You know, we have several students that have started out doing that way. And then as they get busy, they quit doing the sewer scopes for others. But that's a choice you're going to have to make. Uh, and it just kind of depends on how much money you want to make out of this and how busy you are there in your inspection. So going back to this, you get to download a PowerPoint of the whole course. It doesn't have the videos, you know, so you can't watch the videos, but that's a resource you can go back to and use and use and use. You get to keep it. You can download an identification guide. That's also available off my website to anybody, but it identifies the 17 types of pipes with pictures and with descriptions. I do suggest when, you, when we were doing the in-person course, we laminated them and put them on key rings so you could clip it to your uh, camera. I believe Subtech's still doing that. Uh, they printed off a ton of them and they were including them with their cameras. Uh, but uh, you get off my website, have them laminated, and then you bring them out in the field with you. If you're in a pipe, it's like, God, I'm not sure what this is. That will help you identify. Download the re report verbiage. You know, like I said, you may have to change it a little to sound like you. I've never used anybody else's verbiage. I've always changed it. I want it to sound like I'm talking, but it gives you a start. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. And then you print your certificate. I would suggest you PDF the certificate. That way you can print it as many times as you want. I can resend it to you, but then you have to wait for me to be in the office, things like that. If you PDF it, it's really simple. You can just print it anytime you want. Okay, the types of lines covered. We start with SDR 35, a green pipe. SDR 21, 26, used a lot on the East Coast. It's a PVC pipe, it's a white pipe, looks just like Schedule 40, except for there's no glue. It uses gasket and fitting, so it's like, I got a PVC line, I see no purple primer. That's probably your indication you're in the SDR 21. Schedule 40 PVC, we've used it since the 70s, the white pipe. Uh, Schedule 40 ABS, the black pipe. Remember, 85 and 86, we had some problems with uh, ABS. Several manufacturers have used recycled ABS and it cracked at the fittings. So whenever we're doing an 85, 86 house, we try to sell the additional lines. It's like, you want me to, you know, because most of our houses in Denver are basements, you want me to scope those lines under the basement floor because you could have a separated pipe because it was recycled ABS. So, uh, that's just, you know, another hundred bucks each line, you know, we might get 400 bucks to do a sewer scope that day. That's a good day. It still doesn't take me very long. I got the camera out of it. <clears throat> clay, some areas of the country, you call it terracotta. It's vitrified clay pipe. It's been around for a long time. The Romans had it. Uh, cast iron. In Colorado, we typically don't use Colorado or cast iron as a building sewer. We use it as a building drain. Once in a while, we'll see it on older houses, uh, but some parts of the country, Florida, et cetera, everything's cast iron. Well, 
if you have humidity, moist soils, cast iron's got a life expectancy of about 25 years. In Colorado, last 100 because we have no moisture. But uh, we'll talk more about that later. Concrete, asbestos cement, commonly called transite. Manville pipe had transite. Other companies made asbestos cement. So we use asbestos cement slash transite. When I use ABS, I spell it out. I always put the abbreviation and the full word in all of my reporting. Fiber conduit pipe, Orangeburg. It started out actually as subway conduit for electrical. So that's why it's called conduit pipe. You know, um, that is probably the most misidentified line that I see from my students. One of the easy, easy ways to tell if you're looking at a, just really a dirty or an old cut ABS line over fiber conduit, fiber conduit did not come in any length over eight feet. Depending on the manufacturer, there are five to eight feet. ABS is typically 10 to 20. If I look at your video, you call it an Orangeburg and the joints are 10 feet apart, you're wrong. It's not possible. So using the length of the, between the joints can help you eliminate a lot of types of plumbing. And that's one of the ways we pretty much identify every line we look at. We don't just look at how it looks, you look at all those other deciding factors. SIP, cured in place pipe. Most are white, but now they're starting to come out blue. They're coming, you know, it wasn't epoxy impregnated uh, fiberglass liner. Now they're coming actually with a self-curing plastic. Uh, they use high density polyethylene that goes out as a fluid and shrinks or dries. So you have to determine a sip. Usually you can see the joints behind it. That's why you know I'm in a sip. Uh, sometimes on the fiberglass liners, you'll see the serial numbers. Uh, so they serial data. So you can tell when it was put in, all that kind of stuff. HDPE, the chair I'm sitting on right now is HDPE, high density polyethylene. Used a lot in pipe bursting. And now a lot of municipalities are replacing their pipes with it because it is so durable. ADS, advanced drainage system. Those of you that do rural will see this a lot. A lot of leach fields had ADS. Uh, it was approved in 2009 for residential sewer. Uh, it looks, when you go into it, it looks like a corrugated pipe, but it's smooth. It's because the way they spun wove it, it's three types of uh, materials woven together. So it looks like you're going in a black drainage pipe, but your camera doesn't bounce, so you can tell it's a smooth pipe. That's your easiest indication you're in ABS. Thin wall PVC, they still sell it. Eagle sells most of it. Honestly, all it's good for is to roll up banners. As a plumbing material, it stinks. There's also a thin wall pipe called Genova 1120. I'm gonna show you a picture here shortly, but it's an ivory yellowish pipe. If you do upstate New York, Pennsylvania, Poconos, things like that, you will find a lot of it in old resorts. So it used to be a, a summer resort, and then they sold off all the little cabins. Most of those had the Genova 1120. The problem with it, besides it being proprietary, only those joints or fittings fit it. Um, it was thin wall, it was never supposed to be buried. We see it buried in Colorado once in a while. 
but a lot of those resorts had it. So the pipe collapses under the weight of the storm. Galvanized, you know, galvanized should have only been used for branch circuits. So two inch and a one and a half, not three. A lot of times I have to access a sewer through a two inch line though, and it's galvanized. So we're gonna talk in length about the pitfalls. You know, how hard can you push that camera? Because galvanized rust from the inside out. Do you wanna lose your camera? Do you wanna break your camera? So we go into depth on that. Lead, you know, a lot of what we see is toilet sweeps, things like that being lead. But lead was used from the early 1800s for main lines. So the older the areas you look at, the more you are likely to encounter lead. Copper, before Vietnam, 60 to about 67, copper was really, really common. Again, it was supposed to only be used as a building drain, not a building sewer, but we have seen it buried. Stainless steel, most of you will probably never see stainless steel. In Colorado, we have two areas of, of the Denver metro area where we see it. The plumbing company used it and they plumbed these developments. Um, that is probably the, the most common or one of the most common photos I get from past students. It's like, what is this? It's like, it's stainless steel. It's basically car exhaust made by Turbotron. SDR. <clears throat> I hear this wrong all the time. SDR stands for standard dimensional ratio. Basically, it tells you how thick the pipe is compared to its diameter. So you can figure the math, but R35 means it's a big, well, normally it's a bigger pipe. It's very thin. So SDR 35, a four inch pipe is only eighth inch thick. Gives it lots of freedom to move, things like that. Uh, but, you know, it's not as strong as, say, a Schedule 40 or an SDR 21, which is a much thicker pipe. Schedule rating, that's what we use for years. Schedule 40, Schedule 80. Uh, you'll see, like, Schedule 40 PVC is white. Schedule 80 is used for electrical conduit a lot. It can be used for plumbing, but it's thicker pipe. SDR 35. Now this is just, we're going to have a couple samples here of what you're going to see in the report. SDR is usually green, light green. There's one manufacturer, it's like a lime green. A lot of times that will wash out if people use bleach and things like that. So the line will get lighter and lighter and lighter. It'll pretty much look white. How you can tell is when you go into the fittings, they use a white thin wall PVC fitting. So the line is like, I can't tell if it's green or white. And then I hit that joint, that elbow, and that's really bright white. Then I know I'm in an SDR 35. If they're the same color, I'm in a PVC pipe. And SDR is a P 35 is a PVC pipe. So if you said PVC, you would still be right. The fittings or joints can be glued or have gaskets. So it comes in 10 and 20 foot lengths. The 20 foot is invariably almost always a gasketed joint. <clears throat> if it's 10 feet, it'll almost always be a glue joint. So if I have SDR 35 at 10 feet and I don't see purple primer, I'm looking at those joints very, very carefully because I'm suspicious that somebody put it together and didn't glue the joints. And we have seen that. 
know, think about it. The house is being built. They laid out, knocked out the sewer. They went to launch and they got backfilled. They're not digging it back up again. So a lot of times that's why you'll see roots in a plastic line. You should never see roots in a plastic line. But if somebody had, didn't glue the joint, water's gonna leak out a little bit and those roots are gonna find it and come into the plastic. It's fairly flexible. For our expansive soils in Colorado, we use it a lot. Like I say, eighth inch thick for a four inch pipe, three six inch, three sixteenths for a six inch. Residentially, you will probably never see a six inch pipe unless it's a monstrous house. We did a 40,000 square foot house uh, that had six inch pipe. <clears throat> Life expectancy, most of the plastics, they say 50 to 500. Of course, we don't know if they're gonna last 500, you know, but some of them are getting on their 50. Most SDR, ABS, things like that, they became commonplace in the 70s. They're 50 years old now. Late 70s to early uh, to present. We started seeing it almost exclusively in 82. So you can see it earlier, but clay was still pretty much predominant here in Colorado until the early 80s. This is what the glue joints look like. You can see that's five inch of a slip fitting. They had to put a lot of primer and a lot of glue on that so the whole thing sealed. You know, if they just spin it around once, they didn't get enough on there and that joint might leak. This is a gasketed joint. And I can tell you when we did the House of Horrors plumbing there, you basically have to grease the, the gasket and use a maul to put these together. Other than that, a plumber uses the tool that clamps on and gets pulled together. Doing it without that tool though is just about impossible. Okay, the class is offered online right now. We, I have no idea when we're going to start teaching it in person. Uh, probably fall of next year is our hope, but I wouldn't count on it before that. You can order it online through my website, www.inspectormentoring.com. Or Internashi is also selling the course. It's the same course. I have to set you up for, for that. If you do it just through my website, it automatically logs you in. If you go through Internashi, I send you a login email. It doesn't make a difference either way. It's the same course. Uh, it, the course is $5.99. However, if you're an Internashi member, you get $100 off. Um, if you go through my website, you type in the coupon coupon code CAPS NASHI. Uh, and that's, you should try that any vendor you try to buy things from because almost everybody who's works with InterNASHI gives an InterNASHI discount. And most of us, if not all, use the NASHI discount code. Uh, so for InterNASHI members, it's $4.99. Like I said, I would expect to spend 16 hours on it. Doesn't mean you have to do it all at the same time. You can go back and forth, bounce back and forth, things like that. I just remember, once you pass the test, you don't get to go back. So I would suggest doing it more than less. And during at a couple spots in the course, there's my contact information. So if you're just not getting something, you text me or email me. When you're trying to send me like a video to watch after you graduated, 
what I recommend is you text me, hey, Jim, I'm emailing you a video. Could you please watch it? And then that email, you have to say, I think it's Orangeburg or whatever the case may be. I think that's a broken line uh, because I want to see if you're right. But it's always best to text me because then I know as soon as they get to the office, I pull up that email so we can do it faster. So interview view of SDR 35. SDR 35, you actually have three individual uh, interior views because I'm showing the different text pipe or different color pipes, just so you understand. But you can see this was kind of bleached out. Uh, the defects, overcompaction breakage, can be dented or crushed. Separation, especially glued that's not glued, or if the plumber did not have the tool to get the gasketed together, they will come apart. You'll go and you'll see black, a black ring. That's the gasket. You're not supposed to see the gasket. Bellies are sagging. Any line can get a belly or sagging. Typically, if they didn't bed it correctly, although with soil movement, even if they bedded it correctly, over the years, it can move. A lot of jurisdictions do not allow SDR 35 with septic systems. What I've been told is it's because they expect more traffic, tractors, cars driving around, and it can break. We have seen it several times now with septic systems where the, the line is broken and somebody drove over, especially if it's a shallow septic. You know, it's only three, four feet down. You drive a tractor or a big truck over it, you just broke the line. It can be damaged by metal cutting blades. I never recommend cleaning with cutting blades. I always recommend hydrojetting or air jetting. <clears throat> uh, I, I see a lot of lines damaged by the metal blades. Clay, orange, tan, or reddish tint in color. Typically, Denver brick made a white clay pipe. When we see white or off-white, I typically, in our old pipe, I'm thinking transite. You have to know how to tell the difference. The joints of clay are every two to six feet. Again, if I get an eight feet, it's not clay. 10 feet, it's not clay. Four inch pipe is 11 16 thick. That is what you use to determine how big your offsets are. So, if I can see the pipe and mortar, I know I'm over 11 sixteenths. If I can see the pipe and a much mortar, I know I'm over an inch. So that determines how big a deal it is. You know, if I got a minor offset, that's one thing, but if I'm offset an inch and a half, the way the pipe's put together, you know the one pipe is broken. Six inch, like I say, most of you won't see it, that's seven eighths. Clay has a hundred year life expectancy. That doesn't mean it'll last 100 years because a lot of times roots say otherwise. Used in the mid 1800s to the 1980s for mortar joints. You can still buy it with gasketed joints. Pennsylvania, out east they use it. Like I said, the Romans used clay. So it's actually been much older than that in parts of the world. Touch on sips when you're ready, mention that. Okay, we'll talk about sips a little later, but the liners, cured in place pipe, like I say, most of what we see, and I'm not gonna brush on every pipe today because this is a two hour and the course is eight hours. So, but uh, there's lots of new technology coming out in SIPs. 
but it's basically a way to repair a pipe without replacing it. Now, if you have large offsets that are obstruction offsets, which means the offset, as you're pushing in the pipe, the bottom of the pipe is higher than the, the line you're in, a SIP doesn't fix that. Because what a SIP does is it makes it so the joint doesn't leak anymore. If the pipe is busted, a SIP doesn't fix that. It needs a structurally sound pipe. If you have what's called a waterfall offset, where the, the farther pipe is lower than the other one, a SIP works great because the, the water in the pool is going to fall off that line. But if there's an obstruction or a blockage, a SIP's just going to make a, a blockage that doesn't leak. It's still going to be an obstruction. You're still going to catch grease, toilet paper, things like that. So if I have offsets where the pipe going out, this is the pipe I'm scoping, and this line here is the pipe to the city, is higher, that right there is an obstruction. A SIP won't fix that. So when I'm talking to my clients, we'll talk about, you know, bad line for a SIP, good line for a SIP. Life expectancy, like I said, 100 years. Uh, this is what a gasketed clay pipe looks like. You can see the black rings. They have a similar flange to a mortar, but they have to pull it together again with the proper tooling. This is the real common, uh, it's the mortar joints. <clears throat> the mortar joints love to have roots, you know. <clears throat> You're gonna hear a lot of times that the roots damage the pipe. Or, you know, clean the roots, line's fine. The roots cannot find that joint if the joint's not leaking. So if you see leak or roots, you have leakage at that joint. There's a problem with that joint. The only way to prevent it from becoming a bigger problem is a SIP or replace it. So when I have a lot of roots, I never recommend the line be clean. I say the line should be cleaned and repaired or replaced as needed. And I tell my clients, it's like, you know what? Somebody's been cleaning this line as maintenance. Sooner or later, that's no longer going to work and the line has to be replaced. So uh, I'd rather ask the sellers to give me a new line than just assume I'm going to buy it down the road. And this is what I'm talking about an obstruction uh, offset. Now this offset, I'm just seeing the pipe. So we're about half inch or so. Most cameras that you buy, plumber style cameras, any offset, quarter inch to half inch, your camera stops right there. You cannot go through. The cable or the, the spring is too stiff. They have too big of a skid or a ball style skid and it just bangs up against that and it doesn't move. That's why you want an inspector's camera. Just for this reason right here, when I show you some camera stuff, you'll see what I'm talking about. Common defects with clay is offsets. Root infiltration damage. Like I say, the roots find the leak, not the other way around. The roots don't make the leak. <clears throat> Lateral circumferential cracking, remember? We said, if you know the type of material, you have a better idea how it's gonna break. Sometimes how it cracks can tell you what material it isn't. Breaks, it's easily crushed, it's brittle. So you will see broken, busted up clay lines. Mortar joints, they have a tendency to leak, therefore you'll see the roots. Cast iron and clay, here's gonna be a, a little training video. 
Uh, we'll talk about it as we go through, but this is a 1950s house. Really common in that era to have cast iron and clay. I don't have a counter on this one. <laughs> like I say, when I first bought, I tried like a lot of people. I bought a used camera, then I bought a cheaper camera and nothing but problems. My first camera didn't have a, a cable or line length, you know, didn't do any uh, kind of footage. So what I did, and I still do this on all of our cameras, is we just bought the colored electrical tape and we marked our cable every 25 feet. 25 was one color, 50 was another, 75 was another, 100 was another, 125 was another. I had 140 foot cable, so that was all I needed to mark. <clears throat> it's amazing if you put it on a clean cable, so it's best right off the bat, but if you clean the cable, that electrical tape will last hundreds of sculpts. You know, one of our backup cameras, it's three years old, I don't know, it's got thousands of scopes, and you can still sell till every 25 feet, there's still part of that tape on it. So as you're pushing in, you know how far you push. We're gonna talk about this later, but you don't ever wanna push more than nine inches, and there's a reason we'll talk about this. So if I'm at 25 and I start counting, and I go 10, well, I know I'm less than 10 feet, but I'm probably eight feet out. So 25 plus eight, 33. I can tell real approximate where I am still in the line without, without a cable comment. This line has roots, looks to have been recently cleaned. That's something you want in your report. The line looks to be cleaned recently. My recommendation is inquire with the seller as to cost of yearly maintenance. You know, you're gonna find, I would never do sewer scopes just out of the blue. I don't wanna go and look at somebody's stuff. My sewer line's plugged, can you come out and do a scope? God, no, I don't wanna do that. My camera's gonna come back nasty. If I pull a cap, I might leak into the basement or the house. Uh, as a home inspector, if your toilet doesn't flush and your house is getting inspection, Typically, you have the line clean. There's a lot of times we jump in the line, and I can tell somebody's cleaned it within days. And there's telltale marks. You can see the grooves. You, you can typically tell, and I can usually tell you where they clean from. If you take go down a roof stack and you turn a corner, and about 18 inches later, the line looks clean, somebody cleaned from the toilet. There's a clean out the base of the stack. If they had done that, it would be clean as soon as it goes horizontal. So you're gonna to start to figure this stuff out and uh, it all is good information to put in the report. Remember, you don't care if they follow your advice. I don't care if anybody fixes a line. And I can tell you a lot of times when I recommend the line be cleaned, repaired, replaced, it gets cleaned. And then six months later, they call me and it's like, well, you know, they cleaned the line, but it's all plugged up again. It's like, yeah, I told you to repair or replace it. Well, the sellers wouldn't. Like now you get to. Uh, I don't want to leave that out of my report because I don't want to pay for it. So uh, <clears throat> if I can see a line's been cleaned, it always goes in my report. So this line, you have multiple cracks. And then there's a crack at the city main. This particular house, the city said the movement of the uh, house's main caused the crack in the city. So they made the sellers pay for this whole repair. 
Normally, when you see a crack in a main, it's like, oh, that's the city's problem. They're all trying to push it off now. Uh, so, you know, that's why it's so important to get to the main. Okay, you can see here, we're on a roof. We go through the roof a lot. Sometimes we go through the roof just because I don't wanna, you know, do it in the house. Uh, Denver's weather is really nice most of the time. Uh, but if I find a brass cap in cast iron line, they're a bear to get out. I'm gonna go through the roof. If I see an expansion type, well, that means it was corroded. Somebody put expansion type uh, plug in there. They're probably gonna leak. Or if I see a leaking line, if that cleanout's already leaking, when I get to the house, I'm not gonna go through it because there's something wrong with it and they're gonna blame it on me. So I'm gonna take a picture of it, put in my report that, you know, clean out cap underneath kitchen or whatever the case may be was leaking water. And then it's not my problem. If I go into that now, I at least partially own it. So if you go through the roof, we recommend you bring a jug of water. We bring two and a half gallons of water to every inspection. If you pour it down around the sides, it'll help get rid of some of the cobwebs, bird's nests, whatever the case may be. So it'll make it so as you're going down, you see better. You're gonna catch all the garbage going down. I don't really care about this line. It's a vent stack. <clears throat> when I come back up afterwards, I'm not gonna get anything on the camera. I'm gonna see it really good. So this is where my water ties in. See, we just went horizontal. See how smooth that line is? When I first dropped down, when you could see you dropped into the cast, uh, you could see it was corroded right at the bottom. So they've been cleaning this line from the toilet. So this is a really, really clean cast iron line. It wouldn't like look like this. This line also was hydrogenic. If it was done with blades, the rust falls to the bottom of the pipe, and then it has a tendency to recoagulate. So my camera is going to have to go up and down over all of these little dams. And all those little dams collect stuff, and they're a problem. We're leaving the house, and there's my first set of roots. That's at the transition from building drain to building sewer. So even though it's recently been cleaned, roots are bad. Cleaning isn't a repair. It's a Band-Aid. <clears throat> a lot of times when you go through roots, your camera's going to pick up grease and your clarity is going to suck. There's nothing you can do about that. You can try flushing a toilet, but it usually doesn't do a great job of grease. What we have found, there's an offset that we're going to go over. That offset would have stopped most cameras. This would be a waterfall offset. It drops down. This one would be great for a sip. But we found spray wax or rain on your camera lens helps a lot. Your picture quality is much better. See how it's leaking right there to the right? That's why you get roots. This line here, if you look on the side, it's fairly smooth. That's my indication it's clay. If it was translated, it would be ruffled. Again, roots coming in, that joint has to be leaking. The roots follow the pipe down. This right here, that's a different color pipe. Sometimes that means a different material. Sometimes it just means the clay was fired a little differently. Big root ball. Remember, this line's recently been cleaned. 
So sometimes those roots will grab your cable and you have to turn your water up. What we do is we turn our water on as little as possible to push out. Right here, another one that would stop most cameras. See how this one bounces right over? I have an inspector's camera. So by turning as little water on as possible, I can prove that's leaking. If we run out of water, where'd the water go? The pipe's leaking. If you know you have a bunch of water on right off the bat, there's you have no idea. So we start little, and if I have to turn it up, I turn it up. Sometimes you have to flush to ride the wave to get out. Uh, if you're by yourself, a lot of times turning the bathtub on will do it for you. Then you pay more attention coming back. Again, big root ball on the right. We know it's separated. We know it's leaking. There's roots. So this joint here, again, is an offset waterfall. So uh, that would have been a SIP candidate. Another big root ball. See the water's just been pushing through. Uh, so we'll get through. I don't worry with the style skid and camera we use. I don't ever worry about getting stuck. If I can go in, I can come back. Now, if I have a ball type skid or a finger skid, those roots are gonna hang it up and I might be stuck coming back and I might lose my camera. So now we turn the water up because we're trying to get out. Um, when you start doing sewer scopes, a good theory, once you figure out where you're doing the scope, look and see where the manholes are. You can guesstimate. I can usually be within 10 feet of how long my sewer line is. So I know I'm pretty close to the tap. One flush will get me there. I'm a long ways from the tap. I better turn the bathtub on and try to ride it that way. Uh, because, uh, you know, the other thing is sometimes you get to something that looks like a tap and it's too close. It's like, that's not the tap. Or like we had one yesterday, Mike went underwater and it's like, you're too far in, you gotta be in the main. And he was, he had turned the corner, but because he was underwater the whole time, he couldn't tell. So try to get yourself out, drop down, you're in the tap. Now, if you've had a greasy line, there's acid in the sewage. If you dip it into the main line, a lot of times that will clean the grease off your camera. Like I'm dipping it in sewage to clean my camera. Yes. Now, if you look at like four o'clock, you can see there's a, there's a crack in that main line. Again, the city made them pay for it. Now, we just shot the, I'm just showing you going in. I recommend you video in and out and you pay great attention coming out. Because as you push in, your camera's gonna wiggle. It'll show the left side, the right side. You won't always see the whole pipe. When you pull back, it pulls back straight. So you'll usually get a very good, complete view of that pipe on your pulling out. We have videos in the course that as we pushed in, you missed an inch and a half offset. I don't know how you could miss it, but I've watched that video 10 times. You can't see it. When you pull back, it's like, boom, where did that come from? You know, sometimes you'll catch a little and it's like, something doesn't look right at 36 feet. When you're pulling back, pay attention. What's going on? You know, sometimes if you're jamming through roots, most of the cameras are cable counters. So the reel will turn a little, 
So you, you might pull back and you're off by four or five feet. So if it said 36 feet, I'm gonna start walking at 40 to, to 32. And I know I'm gonna be right around there. But uh, pay attention because a lot of times you can see what the problem is coming back. Asbestos cement, you know, transit. Defects, it contains asbestos. That's why you can't pipe burst. When they do a dig and trench, they have to pay hazmat to get rid of it. So it's much more expensive than a clay line. There's a chemical reaction, uh, sulfuric acid. We, for years, thought the sulfuric acid destroyed the pipe. Recently, they had discovered there's a bacteria that thrive on the sulfuric acid, and they eat the cement. So you, the Portland cement gets eaten away, and that's why the concrete lines and concrete septic tanks deteriorate. If there's a lot of sulfuric acid, you know, 20 years a line or a septic tank can be rotted away. If you don't have a lot of sulfuric acid, they can last a long time. So. You just had a question about dipping the main yeah. and moving the camera. Okay. We just had a question from a gentleman about my advice to dip in the tank or in the main line. If you're using a plumber's camera or not a camera with a torpedo skid, and we're gonna show this out, you never wanna go in a septic tank, you never wanna go in a main line. I should have clarified that. A ball style or the finger style, just like the roots, you will lose your camera head. As it tries to come back, it'll hit and you, it's gone. You just lost your camera. If you use the camera I use, or a similar one, I don't worry about it at all. It's not gonna happen. It's chamfered both ways. It can hang up. The only time I worry about losing my camera is a broken or really, really bad cast iron or galvanite because it actually catches on the spring, and I'll show you that a little later. Uh, it doesn't hold the camera, it catches the spring. <clears throat> but if you're using a ball style skid especially, don't drop in. If you're using a ball style skid, get a different skid. I'm gonna show you some options a little bit later. So circumferential and lateral cracking, same as clay. It's brittle, same as clay. Root infiltration, same as clay. Tendency to leak at the joints, same as clay. Can't pipe first, unlike clay. Now this visible black rubber seal. Manville used what they called right tight, and it's basically an O-ring. So the, the, the pipe, you had your two pipes, you had a slip coupler and O-rings. And so they put the O-rings in place and then they had a, a tool that pulled the, the union over. Sometimes if they didn't do it right, it rolled that O-ring into either between the joint or off the side. We do a lot of manville pipes that we see the rubber O-rings. Well, that joint is not sealed properly, so seeing that black ring is a defect. A lot of guys assume that means, oh, there's a burn code there. It's like now with transite, it's probably the manville right type. And we have pictures, all that kind of stuff in the class. This is an asbestos interior view. If you look at the sides, clay was smoother. You'll get deterioration. Remember that the, the bacteria eat the, the cement. 
So it gets rougher. The difference between concrete and transite is when you see the roughness on the sides, you don't see sand and gravel for transite. If it's concrete, you see sand and gravel looks just like a riverbed. That gets washed away and it leaves the pebbles. If the lines are rough, it's probably transite. This is a very typical transite color. Uh, if it's really bad, like somebody's been cutting it or there's a lot of cement loss, it'll get darker and darker. Uh, but uh, usually when I go into line and I got to crank my camera all the way to the top, it's either a really, really dirty, nasty line, or usually I'm in a really deteriorated concrete line. You'll also see with transite and concrete, depending on how bad they are, your camera jiggle. Normally when we push in, the camera's very smooth. You know, you got to bump on offset, things like that. But if I get my cameras wiggling, it's one of those two line materials. Here you can see the, the transite, the, the uh, right tight seal. On the, the left portion, you're gonna see the black. That joint's not sealed correctly. That is a defect. Usually you'll see that with roots, and usually you will not see this unless somebody's cleaned the line. So if they've recently cleaned the lines, you'll see the black, especially if they use hydrogen. Otherwise, there's going to be so much roots there that you don't know if it's a right tight, if it's a mortar joint. Uh, you're not sure. Okay, concrete, you can see the sand and gravel on the side. Pipe's darker. They started out the same color. So just as the concrete deteriorates, it gets darker and it doesn't reflect your light near as well as this. So like I say, you'll end up cranking your lights. You can't ever get bright enough with concrete. It's just a fact of life. Okay, Orangeburg. Now, this here is an Orangeburg fitting. There's like a scroll mark on it, the way this pipe is built. The easiest place to see that is at joints. When you're coming back, you will see this distinctive mark. The other thing for Orangeburg is typically down at about five and seven, you'll see it looks like a spider. There'll be a, a, like a center and then legs coming off it. That's a rock pushing up through it and the pipe kind of fractures. So, uh, if you see either of those, we're going to show you a video here, just a quick one, what it looks like the, at the joint. But if you see those, you know you're in transit. Also, I mean, Orangeburg. Also, Orangeburg, no more than eight feet joints. So if I see a line like this, I'm thinking Orangeburg, this could also have been a, a blade cut ABS line. So I have to look for those distinguishing features. If the joints are at 10, yeah, we're in ABS. If there's no joints, we're in HDPE. If the joints are closer, we're in Orangeburg. Here's SIP. So cured in place pipe. This is an early one. So when you see the little divots, the black inclusions on the side, you don't typically see that with PVC. Also, as you're pushing through, you'll see a joint behind, but it won't be like a glue joint. A lot of times this was used with translite or clay. So you'll see the clay joint 
that it's stuck to it. So, but when I see those little black marks on the side, those little specks, I start thinking SIP immediately. Here's a SIP repair. So Denver now no longer allows you to repair clay lines. You can't repair one joint because what happens is you just push it to the next one. All those joints are leaking, the roots are opportunists. They're gonna find the next leak. So a lot of times with a SIP, you'll see a partial SIP and then you'll see another partial SIP. And sometimes you'll even see a third on it before somebody finally replaces the line or sips the whole thing. So this is old SIP, newer SIP. This here, the line could be ABS, could be HDPE. HDPE doesn't use L's. So the line is curved. So you can actually look down this pipe and see it's curved. It is easier by far to see as you're pulling out. As you start to do this, you get a feel for the cable. I can tell when I'm pushing uphill, I can tell when I'm pulling around a corner. You can actually feel it in your cable. So if you're using a two inch camera with a half inch cable, you will not feel it. I recommend a 10 millimeter cable. We'll go into that a little bit later, but you can actually feel what your camera head is doing. So I can feel I'm pulling through that. Also, usually we don't have joints with an HDPE. Although some of the guys that use HDPE for a pipe burst and they're not like real established, they buy it in 20 foot sticks and they glue it together. So if I have 20 feet without elbows, I'm still thinking HDPE. This is what we're gonna just show this little video right here that you're gonna see what I'm talking about, the elbow with orange bit. So that's SDR 35 in front of us. Could see that right there? That is the inside of this, but at the turns, the elbows, that is the easiest way to see it. Orangeburg usually gets crushed also. So the weight of the soil compacts it, so it gets egg-shaped. That's very, very common. But when I see that, the only material that does that is Orangeburg. So transvite asbestos cement. And like I say, we have these scattered throughout the, uh, the uh, PowerPoints. So you can see, okay, we just talked about it, transite, we talked about concrete. Let's see the difference. And you will see these two pipes mixed together because they were the same size. They were cement pipes, so they could mortar these together. So they didn't need to use a firm coat. Unlike clay to transite or clay to concrete, they had to use a rubber firm coat at some point. Transite and the uh, mortar, not the manville right type, but the other joints they can just hook them straight together. So a lot of times you'll see concrete at the street, transite in the yard, or vice versa. So if you look, see how my camera's jiggling a little bit? The sides are rougher than I'd expect to see with clay. But all in all, it doesn't look too bad. You know, we got a little offset there, but the roughness of the pipe is my first indication on the side of the watermark that I'm in a transite. Corners, you can see it's a little rougher there. Drop down in. Big offset there, that wouldn't be a SIP candidate. Most cameras wouldn't make it. Now look what happened. Now you see sand and gravel. 
as we got out to the street closer to the tap, the line changed to concrete. You have to remember, the section under the road was usually installed by a different company. When they originally did the roads, they laid the sewer line and they laid your tap to your property line. Then whoever was tying the sewer in ran that other section. So it's really, really common to have one material to the sidewalk or the street and a different material from then on. Or sometimes one of them did a great job, the other did a bad job, and you see problems in part of it, not the other. You always hope it's problems in the road, not the street, because the street's much more expensive. Sometimes they're the same. But that's what concrete looks like. This is that a Genova 1120 I was talking about. You can see the coloring. If I see Genova in a house, I invariably see a pail, a bucket, some kind of catch pan. Because you can no longer buy the fittings. Even the little uh, plastic gaskets that allow you to go between ABS and PVC with a, with a mechanical fitting, they're not right. They always leak. The only way to properly fix Fernco without, Fern, I mean, uh, Genova without Genova fittings is a Fernco. So I always, I don't think I've ever seen a Genova house that I didn't see a pail or a bucket. This is what it looks like on the inside, that ivory tinge. This is galvanized. <clears throat> okay. For you to go through a one inch or two inch line, almost every camera you have to take the skid off. So you're bashing through that without a skid. So the camera has no protection. When I, I push through galvanize often, but I don't jam through it. I do a nice, easy push. If I come to obstruction, I'm not forcing it through because your spring can catch on the side of it. So, and then you lost your camera. When that spring catches, there's no coming back. Camera, sometimes you can pull it back, but if a spring grabs, it's gone. And this is the problem with galvanized. This is lead. So, uh, we show lead going through. A lot of times lead, you'll see lines going down like you see it, like, eight o'clock on this one. It's how they formed it. So that's pretty common to see when you're inside a lead line. You're almost like there's lines going all the way through it. And it's that grayish in color. Copper. So a lot of times you go from a roof, you go through copper. Sometimes it'll be green for tarnish. Colorado, not as much as other places because we're dry. This is that stainless steel we were talking about. The stainless steel used copper fittings. There was a special flux that allowed them to solder the two together. Unfortunately, the solder eventually gives and you start to leak. The flux is not made anymore. So again, the only way to repair this, most plumbers just sell to replace it all. There's nothing really wrong with it. They can firm color fittings. That's the only real way to fix it now or partial replacement. They also did it, you can see here, water supply lines. The product actually holds up really, really good. Okay. The defects you want to look for in a sewer scope, belly, sags, low spots, say any pipe. It doesn't matter, plastic, orangeburg, uh, HDPE, AB, you know, clay, they all get belly. 
Lions holding water and debris. Now, what most plumbing, I don't want to say manufacturers, but plumbing companies, what they advise is if your offsets or if you're holding an inch of water, then the line should be replaced or repaired because that inch of water is going to catch the grease, going to catch all the other stuff. So when we designed the inspector camera I'm going to show you, we made it so that with the skid on, water level is exactly one inch. So as you're pushing or pulling, if your camera goes, the, the screen is completely in water, you're, off, you're holding at least an inch of water. Whoever's camera you have, you should measure that with and without the skid. Because the skid's gonna add, well, it depends on it. Torpedo only adds about a quarter inch. If a ball style, there's ball style skids that add an inch and a half. <clears throat> so you wanna know where the water line is to where an inch is. Because at an inch is where you should be recommending the line be repaired. Compressed crushed lines, they're usually pretty evident. Broken cracked lines, root intrusion, joint offsets, broken joints, heaved. Uh, a lot of times I'll write the heaved up as, and that's usually like a root came beneath it or the soil moved. You can tell you're going uphill, but I'll usually write it up as line is holding water and debris at 39 feet. I don't say heaved. Why should I go that specific and get an argument with somebody? It's like, oh, you know, I think it's this. It's like, it's holding water, who cares? Corrosion rust scale, blockage, grease buildup, construction debris, foreign objects. Flips are terrible for flushing grout, gloves, lunches, all sorts of garbage down the, uh, the sewer, or down the toilet. Mike did a new construction uh, not too long ago that the line was completely plugged with construction debris. If he hadn't done the scope, they'd have moved up or moved in and probably backed into their basement the first day. About 25 feet out, the line was totally plugged. I've seen where kids, as during construction, and my son did it to me at my lake house, uh, you had an open line as you were doing things, they filled it up with rocks. So we've done new construction that the whole line's full of rocks. If they're small rocks, they can jet it out. But if they're too big of rocks, they gotta dig it up. You know, belly, again, this is less than an than a, uh, inch, but you can look off to the left and see the grease. If somebody pours grease down their drain, it's gonna go out and follow the water until it hits standing water that's cooler, and it's gonna plate out on the sides. So a lot of times you'll start to see grease, you know you're coming up to a belly. When I have a client with me, I'll say, oh, it looks like we're coming to a belly. I say, how do you know that? Say, well, I'm seeing the grease build up. Makes you look like a genius. So before COVID, all of my clients were at the inspections. We almost don't let you not come. Now with COVID, we don't allow you to come. So um, it's a different world right now. Hopefully we can get back to the old one. This is crushed. This was actually caught by a backhoe. So you will see that a lot, whereas, you know, they were doing the backfilling and he went down too hard. Uh, or somebody did some work afterwards. And that's what this line looks like. It's just pushed down just a, a straight line. That line right there, I would say the line was dented, crushed, uh, partially restricted at, you know, seven, eight feet where it was. 
I would talk to my clients and say, you know, I try to get fixed, but honestly, that line will probably never cause a problem. It's not broken. The whole underside, if that was on the bottom, it'd cause a problem. But being on the top, what's it hurt? Probably nothing. Line holding water and debris. Again, this is the concrete line. So they usually hold water and debris. Code says a waistline has to be smooth wall pipe. That's no longer smooth wall. So I would put in this report, deteriorated cement was visible at the, the main line. Uh, that's a defect. Now, if it looked like this, it'd be a perfect SIP candidate because the pipe's flowing, everything looks good except for junk's catching to it. But to make it a smooth wall pipe again, great. And SIP is typically the cheapest repair out there. Somebody's asking how old that galvanized pipe was. Galvanized pipe has a 50 year life expectancy. Most areas quit using it 58. So all of the galvanized you're gonna see right now is 50 years old. So to me, whenever we see galvanized, we put the pipe shatter near the end of its useful life. So it may still function, but chances are if they stay in that house five or 10 years, they're gonna to have to do it. So this here has a compressed line at, again, the transition from building drain, which is the ABS, to building sewer, which is the SDR 35. On this line, what happened is when they backfilled it, they let the rocks fall from 15 feet and it crushed the line. The line was also crushed multiple other places. But uh, so you can see it's egg-shaped. That line's not supposed to be egg-shaped. Because it has a firm cone, because you can't mix ABS and SDR 35, it's probably not gonna leak. But it is where you're gonna catch obstructions, things like that. So you wanna put it in the report. Again, if this is all I saw, I probably wouldn't fix the line. I'm not gonna dig up 15 feet for that. Hmm? Oh, wow. Okay. We're gonna have to speed up a little bit, I guess. Okay. Um, so I wouldn't fix that line, but it's usually indicative there's other problems. Crack. Remember, this could be clay or transite because it's a lateral crack. It could be concrete too, but it's clay. But you can see up to the right, that line would be leaking. This line was just clean. Circumferential crack at that elbow. A lot of times when you see a 45, you, you will see a crack right there. Complete circumferential crack. One of the pipes has to give to have an offset. Either the outer hub breaks or the inner hub breaks. There's always a crack. Crack at the main, that's the one we watched earlier. This is a cast iron pipe. You can see a crack at like nine o'clock. Hair can look just like a crack. So what you want to do is park your camera, flush, and see if that line moves. If it doesn't move, it's probably a crack. If it's by a tie-in, it's probably a crack. But if it's in the length of a line, a lot of times it's just hair. That firm, there's a firm code there. So this line isn't leaking, but we still have an offset pushing an inch. Toilet paper, grease, kids' toys, everything's gonna go there. I'm probably not digging the line up, but I'm gonna tell them, again, the problem's there. I'm gonna recommend repair. They're not gonna do it, but if they ever have a problem, now they know where it's gonna be. 
again, you can see right here, this is an 11 16 thick line. If you look very carefully, you can see the pipe, and then you can see the mortar. The mortar is bigger than the pipe, so this is an inch and a half offset. Corroded cast iron, that's actually a, a calcium deposit on the right. Hydrojetting can clean all that up. There's the grease. Again, if you have a belly, you're going to have grease. Construction debris, this is a nasty concrete line, and the flippers flushed all their junk down it. Again, big offset coming up. Most cameras wouldn't make that. Rocks. When you see this, it means the clean out in the yard, the cat's missing. Offset transition at the house. These are allowed, but just think if you clean that with blades, you destroy it. Okay, backflow prevention. Some of you will always see them. Some of you won't. Low line areas, you see them a lot. I'm just going to kind of click through these. This is what a check bill of PVC one looks like. When you're coming to it, this is what it looks like. When you have a cast iron one, this is why one of the reasons you only push nine inches. That's what you see. That little horizontal line on the top. If you go through a cast iron back low, you just lost your camera. So you want to pay attention as you're pushing. Minimum camera requirements, infield replaceable camera head. You're gonna damage them sometimes. 100 foot cable, built-in counter, built-in sound. The sound is the transmitter for your stick or your receiver to find out where you're at. Battery operated, really looks stupid to have an extension cord on the roof. USB and Wi-Fi, I like them both. Under 45 pounds. We put backpack straps on these so you have a three-point connection. Remember, I got hurt blowing off a ladder. I didn't want anybody who bought this camera that I recommended doing that. Self-leveling color camera head. 303 stainless. A lot of cheaper cameras are aluminum. You will destroy them on cast iron. Torpedo-shaped skid. Flexible spring. Most cameras have a 9-millimeter or 3 8 cable. A 10-millimeter cable will push 100% better at distance. So, Subtech, they've created, they came out and met with Ben, Nikolai, Nick, and myself and designed a camera for home inspectors. I don't care whose camera you buy, but this was designed for us. It's a 303 stainless self leveling camera head. It's got the counter and the sound. You can replace the head. Depending on what cable length you go, it weighs between 40 and 45. They use Milwaukee batteries, so you just pop in a new battery, and they sell it in 140 and 200. And on our scopes, our average scope is 112 feet. So a lot of cameras sell at 100 feet. I'd miss it over 50% of the time. I, I don't know what kind of shape that line's in. 140 reaches over 97% of my scope. Remember, we have basements. 113 feet. Newer line, the gasket's damaged. That was a $12,000 repair. I don't want to miss that. Okay. The reason, you know, this is how we're carrying on the roof. You know, see how he's got his three-point connection? He never not has a hand on there. Wind comes up, he's not blowing off. You don't want to pull a camera up with your hand or a rope like I see all the time. 
That's not safe. You're on the edge of the roof leaning over and pulling a camera off. This is the backpack straps. You can see the Milwaukee battery there. Uh, Nick actually endorsed this, Inspector Gadget. For any of you guys that have been in Internazi for a long time, they used to use this a lot. But uh, this is the camera Nick helped design. You know, sewer scope advice, like I said, run water on low. That way you can see if it leaks, but also keep your camera clean. We make a fitting like this for three and four inch. That way, I can run the cable through here. So if I have a stack where all the water comes down, I can put my camera in a little bit, spin this around, and then I can run water and not flood the house. Uh, <clears throat> otherwise, you gotta run dry, your camera's gonna get dirty, it's hard to push. Uh, you can also use water, uh, hose, funnel, things like that, but we found this works great. We talked about here, it can look really similar to cracks and cast iron. Transiting clay look very similar. Okay, and you can email me and I can send you any of this stuff later too. But I need to click along so we can get through. Apologize, but, and Mike can text you however it works. Okay. Be very careful when pushing the first 10, 15 feet. Easy to kink your cable if you come to an obstruction. If you only push nine inches at a time, you will almost never kink a cable. After 15 feet, that cable has enough flex at nine inches. You almost don't have to worry about kinking. Flush a toilet, you can ride the wave out. Stay away from the kitchen because of the grease. You know, if you get stuck, don't panic. If you have the right style skid, you'll get out. If you flush the toilet, your camera will ride up and a lot of times you can come back. Use the flexible spring and the torpedo skid. This is what I'm talking about. The one on the bottom is a torpedo skid. See the big gaps in that spring. It's a flexible spring that allows that camera to buck up when you hit something or when you flush. The one to the left is a ball skid. If you go through an obstruction with that, you're stuck. This is another style of torpedo skid. If anybody owns a rigid, Python makes skids for other manufacturers. You can buy a rigid skid, a Python rigid skid, and it's a much better alternative for a home inspector. Their spring is still too stiff as far as I'm concerned, but this will help you a lot in not getting stuck. Uh, the, the flexible spring allows you to take a 90 degree turn instead of a sweep. Uh, but look at that. Uh, that's why you can push through. If you can get through, you'll get back. You know, locators, transmitter in the sod, uh, common frequencies, 512 is really everything. I like 847, but most cameras don't do it. The subject does. The other frequencies are used for utilities. Okay, this is our information. If you have questions about today, like if you wanna know the camera recommendations, all that kind of stuff, Email me. That's the easiest way to do it. If you call the office, chances are I'm not there. My wife doesn't run that part of the business like she does the home inspection, so you'll leave a message. I get an email, but uh, email is the best thing to do. Uh, if you're out in the field, you know, you're one of my students, give me a text. You'll get that number, like I say, in the course. But uh, 
we want to make you succeed. That's what we're here for. You know, I help no matter if you're in or not, you know, or if you're taking my course. Well, like I say, I can't watch your videos if you have not taken my course because my insurance company prohibits it. Now, Mike's still monitoring. Is there any questions anybody would like us to answer? We're getting about to our time. We're supposed to close up Okay, we cover this in the course, but liabilities wise, if you pull a toilet, your liability is high because you're breaking law. But we send out that seller's disclosure. I have added it to my e &O. I add it to my general in case I break something. And then on my camera, I actually have insurance that covers individual components as well as the whole thing. So if I lose a camera head, the camera's 2,500 bucks, $400 to repair the cable, I pay $500. So uh, that's how I insure my stuff. Uh, make sure you talk to your insurance company that they will cover it. Most are getting on board now. Uh, if you have Elite, they require my course uh, to ensure you're as a sewer scope technician. But uh, and a couple other or, uh, insurance companies have talked to me about that. I'm not sure if they're doing it yet or not, but I know Elite does. Uh, the other thing is if you have a line that the clients aren't gonna get fixed, but they should, tell them to add uh, sewer line insurance on their homeowner's policy. Usually it'll cover the first six to $10,000. And sometimes that's the best they're gonna get. You know, the seller will clean it, but I still wanna buy the house. Let somebody else help pay for it when it needs to be done. So, uh, like I say, you can get the course on my website or you can get it through International, through that Everbright, uh, like, like to sign up for all of the courses.